the era when we had some of the most dynamic football players, Lawrence Taylor. Um, these guys, Daryl Green, he played for like three generations, so but, um, I played in a generation. I grew up in a generation that football um, produced a lot of its nostalgic players. Right. So I'm sure you were, uh, were recruited a lot in high school. Can you name some of the schools that recruited you off your scholarship? Well, when I started the recruiting trail, I was relatively unknown because I moved to Jackson, Tennessee, small town in Tennessee, uh, between Memphis and Nashville. And my 11th grade year, I did not have that many offers at that time. Uh, so I went to the University of Tennessee's football camp, and I earned a scholarship through that camp. And when, like every other occupation, when one person hears about you, you know, then you start to, then the word of mouth starts to matriculate, and um, other people, other other schools started calling, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Purdue, and all these teams started calling once I already had the offer from Tennessee, but I knew that I wanted to go to the University of Tennessee. I knew I wanted to play in Neyland Stadium. I knew I wanted to run through the team and play in front of 106,000 screaming fans for the hometown team. So, even though I had multiple offers afterwards, Tennessee was my first and only choice. Okay, cool. Now, you were signed by the Buffalo Bills as an undrafted free agent in 2004. What was that experience like being an undrafted free agent? Because a lot of guys uh, that either was undrafted or went real late in the draft had successful careers. Yeah, it was it was humbling. It really was. I thought I was going to get drafted. I was a smaller corner. Uh, they saw me as a track guy playing football because I had some I had some success. In, in track and field in college. You know, I was a two-time SEC champion. I was a national champion in the hurdles. And, you know, weighing 100, a buck 50, a buck 65 in the, <laughs> at the combine and being 5'10", you know, I didn't have the measurables like some of the other, some of the bigger corners. So, uh, being undrafted, it was, it was humbling. Um, I remember getting off the plane, going towards the Ripley minicamp, and being in inside of a 15 passenger van with 14 or 15 other unsigned cornerbacks, and we're all fighting for one spot. Team. Now this is, I mean, this is humbling. If you want to understand what it means to be in direct relation to your competition, we were right there in the van. We were all looking at each other, meeting each other, having ha being cordial, but understanding we were fighting for one purpose, and, we, and that was for one job that we were all trying to, we were all trying to get to. Gotcha. Now you were the world champ with the New Orleans Saints, which was a special one for the city after Hurricane Katrina. What what was the experience like to be a part of that team? It was incredible. Um, I remember the journey because we went, uh, I think uh, we went thirteen and zero actually, and that journey was incredible because even though we had so much success on the field, and in turn it, it lit up the city. You could not tell that we were the winningest team in the NFL if you were to come to the locker room. There was so, uh, you know, every time we won a game, we would come back to the meeting room and coach would find a way to cuss us out. You know, it would be a tense environment in a locker room. You know, because uh, when you win as much as we did, you had the expect expectations that we had to uh, accomplish some of the things that were never accomplished in that locker room or, or do some things that, we believe we could do. Uh, it created a tense environment in our locker room. And although we had fun, we enjoyed playing football, um, every week we made sure that we, uh, we, we, we acknowledged the mistakes that we, that, we, um, that we created. 
and that we had an environment of accountability. So it was fun. It was fun to be able to win on Sundays with your guys. But throughout the week, I mean, it was it was pretty tense in that locker room. So what was it like playing for Sean Payton? What was it like? It was great. Uh, Sean Payton is a an extremely likable coach. He's a guy that has incredible confidence, and he runs. It, it, it wears. He passes it on to the players, to the guys that he he coaches. I think that one thing that you have to have as a coach, you have to be prepared. Obviously, you have to be intelligent. And you have to be relatable. Um, you're coaching grown men. This isn't high school. This isn't little league. You're not coaching boys. This is our job. And, you know, the older that you get and the more money that you get as a professional football player, sometimes it can be hard. It can be hard to be motivated. Yeah. So he does a great job of understanding the emotional, uh, the emotional aspect of the locker room. And he does a great job also of keeping it fresh. Keeping it fresh, keeping us motivated. Keeping the game of football. Okay. Now I'm from Alabama, and I'm a diehard Saints fan. And okay. I, I always tell people what, what to look for on Saint game days. I tell them um, how downtown be jam packed. All you see is black and gold bars be packed. Superdome be rocking. Can you tell the people what the experience like was, was like as a player? Oh man. Okay. It's kind of hard to describe it with words, but close your eyes. Imagine you are on the field. Lights are bright. The field is lit up. And around you, 80,000 screaming fans. It's crazy. You have 11 people on offense. Everybody's moving in a crazy way. And then the quarterback gets under the center. The line goes down. And the only thing you're hearing is the roar of the crowd. The ball snaps. And everything goes silent. You're running. The only thing you can hear is your breath. Jump up, knock the ball down, open your eyes, and everything erupts. Oh, man. And it's crazy. It's that, and then you can finally hear everybody in that stadium. I mean, it's an, it's, a, it's an incredible experience, and I think that that is probably the thing that I miss most, the adrenaline and the experience of having the best seat in, uh, in a stadium. Now, did you have a pre-game regimen? Like, did you have a certain type of food you ate, pre-game meal, or certain music you listened to before every game to get you pumped? <laughs> I listened to jazz before the, before the game, man. You know, I, I, people don't understand that. No, jazz put me in the right mindset. I mean, I used to love Christian Scott, Robert Glasper, man. These guys, yeah. their artistry and their creativity could excel. They could express a mood more clear to me than anything Jay-Z or anything Drake could possibly do. Um, the way that they captured a mood, they captured the essence of some of their songs um, was to me motivating. So I used to listen to jazz. I used to jam jazz before the, before the, before the game. Y'all just really got in jazz like, what, four years ago? Jazz is incredible, yeah, man. It's yeah, crazy. It's great. Especially living here. Yeah. Do <laughs> you have, like, a pregame meal you used to like to do? Or was it, it No, no, everything, man. I mean, I remember one time, because I didn't I didn't eat that much before a game. You know, I always had a queasy stomach. You know, I always had a queasy stomach, so I never really ate that much. I remember one time, you know, I was feeling confident. And in our pregame meals, I, I ordered an omelet 
with sauteed mushrooms. And Roman Harper just happened to um, come behind me. He was about to order something afterwards. Yeah. He said, oh, you're, you're going to eat some uh, an omelet with sauteed mushrooms, huh? I was like, yeah, man. You know, I'm, I'm feeling kind of hungry, so I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to enjoy my meal. We start the first series. And after the first series, I'm on the sideline puking my guts out. And Roman comes over and says, hey, look at those sauteed mushrooms right there. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Big old Roman Hoffman, though. He's from Alabama, Alabama. too. Alabama. Yeah. Yes, know, sir. Know folks. Know his folks. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, my guy, man. Yeah. Now, we lost a legend who was the Saints owner, by the way, by the name of Tom Benson. Do okay. you have a good relationship with him? I did. I mean, as far as uh, I knew you know, we had a great working relationship. He was the owner in which allowed his team, the people who ran the team, to do their jobs and do their jobs correctly. Uh, he trusted Coach Payton and, and Mick Loomis to do a good job. He didn't. He did not interfere with the day-to-day -day operations, uh, and I think that's probably the best thing that owner can do. Yeah, not like Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Not at all. <laughs> Uh, so I just wanted to read a little bit of your um, your career NFL stats okay. at the cornerback position. Uh, you had 413 total tackles, 2.0 sacks, forced fumbles. You had two fumble recoveries. You had one interceptions. You had 13 defensive touchdowns. You had four. Now I saw that you established a nonprofit foundation, the Griff Campaign, focused on programs to assist both single and married fathers in developing their parent parenting skills. Can you elaborate on your nonprofit foundation? And tell my listeners a little bit about it. Well, this is a nonprofit that we started in Tennessee. Um, it was one of those things that it is one of those things that's dear to my heart. You know, the issue and the position of fatherhood. You know, it is one of the three most challenging things that I've ever done in my life. And I realized that um, as a father, you have so much weight on your shoulders, so much pressure that you often feel as if you deal with it. And there's many times in which men, fathers in general, can feel isolated, can feel as if they are alone in dealing with these issues. So I just want to be able, be able to provide a platform in which we could, well, we, we provided a platform in which we could bring guys to the table, bring men to the table, bring fathers to the table, and discuss the issues that affect, that, that affect them on a daily basis. And we realized that when we did that, God was in that place, man. And, and the way that he allowed men to become vulnerable, become transparent, it was, it's incredible, you know, the amount of healing that we men, that we need, that we as fathers need. So it was a great opportunity to be able to do that, a great experience to be able to, to do that. When I moved down here to New Orleans, I had to discontinue operations, but you know that's one that's one thing that I see um, is a desperate need in our society to be able to provide fathers an opportunity to be vulnerable and, and be vulnerable and be open. Okay, cool. Now, now speaking of that, now you're a family man yourself. How did you balance football and your family time? Well, I don't I don't have to deal with football right now. Well, I mean, I guess at the time. As an analyst, as a studio analyst right now, um, it, it, it takes a great partner. My wife is incredible when it comes. My wife is incredible. She's an incredible mother. Um, she is the 
the rock of and the, the fabric, I guess, that stitches our stitches love to our family. So obviously I couldn't do it alone. Uh, it'll be no, excuse me. It'll be extremely hard to do it alone. Um, so for me, I realize my wife is, is critical, and also I realize that you know I, I have good children, man. You know, like they are a joy to be around, even though it gets stressful. As well. You know, sometimes at the end of the day you get grumpy, you get tired. Um, but I mean, I have children that are full of joy. That are that are kind and considerate, and I really appreciate that. Cool. And also, did you have a favorite teammate or fellow player that you clicked with, like y'all just tight? Uh, I mean, I, I love all my guys, man. Probably, yeah, probably the DBs in general. Uh, Roman, Malcolm, uh, Reggie, Usama, Lee, Tracy, Randall Gay, Blue. I mean, these guys, where uh, they are forever, you know, my friends. This is something that we'll, we 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 won a national, we won not a national championship, we won a, a world championship together. Yeah. And you don't, you know, you don't forget the guys in which you you went to, uh, you went, you played those games with. So we've done something that has never been done before. And anytime that you have that type of experience with uh, with a group of guys. Realize that it's a, uh, you know, it's something that it's it's not easily forgotten. It's not easily forgotten. All right. Uh, last but not least, do you miss the game? Us. Not all aspects of it. I don't, I don't miss practice. I don't miss training camp. I don't miss being away from my family for so long. Yeah. I don't miss the emotional and mental focus that I have to have. That you that one has to have for six months straight um i i miss that moment that you make a big play and the stadium opens up to you i miss the moments in which you're in the locker room and you are having dance battles you're talking about something's going on in, going on in, in, in culture you know as guys as teammates you experience life in a bubble, and sometimes you're, you know, um, you're isolated in the in the, uh, in the locker room, you know, and your life is different than your life is definitely different than anybody else's on the outside, you know. You're, you're uh, it is a very uh, different existence, and I, I I remember being naive. I mean, I, I do miss being naive to the issues that are going on in society, you know, and just playing ball. Uh, but now it's. I thoroughly enjoy and appreciate the time that I had in the locker room but realize like, man, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I'm straight on that, sir. All right. Okay, man, Jabari, that's all I have. Man, do you have any shout-outs or anything? Uh-oh, shout-out to everybody that's listening. I really appreciate it. I know that when you're starting something new, when you've been kicking this off for a year, man, it's important to get that support. So keep on supporting, keep on listening because uh, Terrence – needs the support and not only that we consistently need the encouragement anybody who's creating something anybody who's trying to do something as 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 men i would say t yeah we're all boys at heart we right. all need somebody to say you know what i believe in you man i trust you I, you can do it and i think that you know having this 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 listener base um just give back and let them know how much they they appreciate tnt sports 
is, is incredible. So keep on listening, man. Keep on doing what you're doing, bro. Yeah, I appreciate that. But again, Jabbar, man, thanks again for taking time to be on my show. All right? Of course. <laughs> okay, this is TNT Sports Podcast, episode number 53. Good morning. You are now tuned into TNT Sports Podcast with Terrence Bennett. Sports all day, every day. Bring it in now. Let's get it. Get it. Welcome back to TNT Sports Podcast, episode number 53. Now, this is the wrap-up part of the show. Uh, again, I want to thank J- uh, Jabari Greer for taking time out of his busy schedule to uh, be on my podcast, man. And I want to do something different with that episode. Man. I want to hit. I want we, Me and Jabari did the interview um, on Magazine Street, so I wanted to keep it music-free and wanted y'all to hear the actual outside, make it authentic New Orleans. So uh, I'm glad we got a chance to do it at the, uh, the cafe down on Magazine Street. Uh, again, man, thanks to Jabbar, who that nation stand up. Get ready for the football season anyway. But anyway, man, again, my back-to-school job is a big success in my hometown, Troy, Alabama. So I want to thank everybody that came out and supported me, man. It was major. It was good for the kids. You know, I gave away a lot of backpacking school supplies. I want to thank all my family and my friends, everybody that traveled, traveled and supported me, man. It was great. So I would definitely be doing it in New Orleans next year, as well as my hometown, Troy, Alabama. So I'm going to get some stuff going to raise money for that starting now. So I'm looking forward to it next year. We're talking about doing, uh, you know, gal- galas and all that good stuff. So I'm excited about the future, man, with TNT Sports. So uh, definitely more high interviews coming. Uh, man, we're on a mission, man. We're on a mission to get it, you know. So again, man, my social media platform, my Facebook page is T-ENT Sports. Facebook page, my Instagram is at Mr. Underscore, T underscore, ENT underscore sports. My Twitter is at T underscore, ENT sports. And my Gmail, if you ever want to reach out to me, is TNT sports 14 at gmail.com. So definitely feel free to reach out to me if you want to shout out. Want any news? My website is coming soon. It should be done and available in August. So that's coming. So look forward to it, man. Also, my social media pages have the pictures of the back to school drive as well as a video. Uh, so, like I said, it was a great event, man. Again, I want to thank everybody that supported me and believed in me in that, man. Uh, bright stuff ahead for TNT Sports, man. Again, man, get strong going forward. Hey, let's keep it going positive, man. Hey, so it's TNT Sports Podcast, episode number 53. God bless. Good morning. Hey, y'all kids, get ready for school and start studying and get back to it. Let's go. TNT Sports. Good morning. Sports all day, every day. Bring it in now. Let's get it.